0: Well, good morning, Willow Creek Community Church. Uh, It is great to be with you. Welcome to those of you watching out in the cafe, out in the link, and those of you watching online, glad you're with us. And In a moment, we're going to dive into week three of Celebration of Hope, but got to get a couple things uh, first, just got to talk about a couple things. First off, uh, last weekend, Matt Lundgren did the announcements, and if you weren't here, Matt had a question that continues now to haunt me. This is it. We can watch it, I think. He's, he's got it I here. Mean, it was a beautiful day out there, so I have a very important question for you. Do you believe it's going to snow again? Or is summer right around the corner? Say hi to someone around you. Tell them if you think it's going to snow again, and then you can take your seats. Lundgren. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, He grew up in Chicago, he should know better, you don't taunt the weather here, and uh, if you're watching in the Bahamas first, congratulations, and uh, it's April 14th and it's snowing in Chicago, and uh, it's just wrong, right? It's just wrong. So if you see Lundgren, just shake your head at him and say, don't do that, man. So, uh, hey, this next weekend's Easter, it's Easter, and I I just want to bring your attention to this. Uh, Uh... this week, uh, I was having dinner with a friend just a couple days ago, and it's a friend that I've invited to church multiple times. Multiple times he said no, multiple times he said yes, and then didn't show up, and I was the one sitting waiting for him not to show up, and I confess this to you. I'd kind of stopped inviting him. I thought, I've invited him enough. When he wants to come, he'll tell me. And at dinner, I kind of got the sense I should invite him, and uh, so I just said to him, listen, you're friends with a pastor but you've never walked into a church that's just wrong and uh and he goes okay I'll go to church what's coming up next weekend this shows you how far he is from christianity <laughs> I said well it's kind of a big weekend it's called easter you may have heard of it and he goes oh yeah and he goes well I'll be there and I said you promise he goes promise I'll be there I want to go So I took a risk and I thought, boy, if I hadn't made the invite, he would never have invited himself. And I thought, you may have a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, a family member, just the same. And maybe you, like me, has kind of invited in the past but pulled back a bit. Can I challenge you? This week, make some invites. Be creative with it, be thoughtful with it, but have the guts to invite them and just see what God might do. Our arts teams, the worship team, they've put together a great service I'm doing my best to give a message I think will be great for your friends. But we've seen it time and time again, if you'll make an invite and if I'll make an invite, and if that friend will say yes and actually walk in the doors, and if they'll sit in this seat, every friend I brought 20 plus years here at this church, every time they get done, they go, that was great, I really enjoyed this. If they come back time and time again, there comes a Sunday when God reaches out of heaven and touches their heart. And time and time again, I've gotten to stand in the water and baptize friends who I thought would never say yes to an invite, but they did. And they came back, and God touched their life and transformed them. But it all begins with an invite. So don't miss this. Many of your friends will say yes this week specifically because of Easter. So get creative, be courageous, see what God might do. Sound good? All right, I challenge you, try it. Now, this week is Celebration of Hope Week 3. We've had a great run. And this week, you heard Matt say it earlier, this week is called We Give The core of this week is, we're gonna talk about what does it mean for us to give to those who have need, those who are struggling, those who are hurting? What does it mean to give? And one of the great questions you may be asking, and you may not want to verbalize it, but you may be thinking is, why do we give? What's the big deal? Why should we sacrificially give to another? You know, you look at Jesus' life, you look at his ministry, it is marked by two things. One, it is marked with a deep concern for the other. It's a concern for the other person, those outside the circle, those outside, those who are different, the other. So much of life is all about me, right? It's my needs. It's self-interest. Jesus turned that and he said, no, 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 from here on out, we're to be oriented towards caring for the other. The other thing it's really marked by is an immense sacrificial generosity to those who have needs. It's marked that way. And Jesus made it clear his followers were to live this out as well. So Jesus set the example, he set the tone, he gave the challenge. But deeper than that, I wanna just share with you today my own conversion on this. Because candidly with you, for much of my life, I would give, but in essence it was kind of token giving, just little things. It was generosity, but, but I felt like a few years ago, I needed some growth in this. And so I did a study, just in kind of my chair time, Uh, In Isaiah 58, Isaiah 58, if you don't know this, Isaiah is in the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, quite a bit of time before Jesus. Isaiah is speaking to religious people. In Isaiah 58, you get the sense, the people that he's speaking to, this is God speaking through Isaiah, the people he's speaking to are deeply religious people, devout. Uh, They're doing some of the practices that are like 401 level practices. And all through Isaiah 58, God is pointing out that their religious practices were missing the mark. See, one of the things you see is they're doing all these religious deeds, but they're not demonstrating care for the poor or for the needs of others. And even more than that, they may actually be taking part in oppressing those people. And so they're somehow religiously devout, but still have this propensity to miss the mark. One of the aspects God's saying in this is, your faith is not meant to be a private experience, just you and him. Your faith is meant to transform your heart and then have outward expressions as you live this out. Your faith is meant to be demonstrated. Your faith is meant to show a difference, to be seen. Your faith isn't just private, it's meant to be public. And then there was a verse, just one verse, that for whatever reason on that day as I was studying, It just hit me. This is why I encourage you to read the Bible. Read it daily, just a little bit a day or a lot, but put your mind in front of the Bible because you never know which verse on which day God will reach down and say, that's the one you need. What I wanna share with you and teach out this morning is that verse from me a few years back. It's Isaiah 58, 10. Simply says this, it says, if you give what? If you give yourself, pause. That day, that morning when I was reading, I got that far in the verse and I had to stop because I thought, I've given money in the past. I've given time. But if I ever given myself, I had my journal with me, I even started writing down, I don't even know what it means to give myself. That just seemed like a much more vulnerable gift. It seemed much more personal, much weightier than what I had done in the past. I sat there going, what does it mean to give myself? If you give yourself, you continue the says, If you give yourself on behalf of the hungry, the language there is, it's uh, advocacy. It's saying, here's a hungry person. You're going to give yourself to represent them to others, to marshal others, to join you in the service. I thought, have I ever advocated for the hungry before? Have I ever given of myself like that? If you give yourself on behalf of the hungry. And then it says, and if you satisfy the needs of the oppressed. The image there is the oppressed, the ideas. There are social things that are a weight upon others, weighing them down. And it's such a weight on their backs, they can't lift it up on their own. So somebody else has to get under there with them and lift together. Have you ever satisfied the need of the oppressed, lifting that oppression off their shoulders? so they can have life. I said, have I ever done that? Have I ever given myself like that? Have you given yourself on behalf of the hungry to satisfy the needs of the oppressed? I sat there that day writing this the this is a much greater giving than I was aware of. And when I had to confess, I'm not sure I've ever done anything even close to this level of giving. If you satisfy The needs of the oppressed. Then it says this beautiful line. Then your light will rise in the darkness. And your gloom will become like the noonday. Isn't that beautiful? The idea I had in my mind, and we've been talking about how it's snowing today. But after this long winter, and let us those of you who are new to Chicago, as someone who's been here for 20 years, this was a particularly difficult winter. Was it not? This one was a tough one, right? Two weeks ago when the sun came up and it got a little warmer, everybody was happier, wasn't it? The coffee tasted better, your spouse looked better. I mean, it was like the world. In that moment, our gloom was lifted, right? This is saying the same thing, that when you serve in this way, when you give yourself the same way you felt that day, the Bible describes, that's what happens in your soul. That when you give yourself like this, Jesus, God's promising this. When you give yourself this way, your gloom is lifted joy fills your heart hope is reinstilled not just in the one who's hungry not just in the one who's been oppressed but in you and in me dove into this more because i just had to get you know a better understanding of what it means to give myself this way and love to go to different versions and the king james version how many of you raise your hands kind of grew up reading the king james version yep King James Version has this beautiful language and some of the times there's a phrase that was crafted so many years ago that speaks to me. This verse, the way it describes giving yourself, it says this, if you draw out thy soul to the hungry. Isn't that beautiful? Draw out your soul. It's this idea that you're going to give immensely to him. If you draw out your soul to the hungry, then your gloom rises and is replaced One last phrase that hit me in this, and it's the very first word of it. It's the word, if. Remember, I wrote it in my journal. I thought, I would like it so much better if God used the word when. When you do this, right? But he didn't, he used the word if. I was thinking about my kids on that day when I was journaling, and I knew if I say to my kids, when you do this, right?" it assumes you're gonna do this, it's just a matter of time. But if I say to my kids, hey, if you do this, it really means I'm not sure you will. And I thought, boy, I think God is looking at humanity going, I'm not sure you're gonna do this. Not saying when, I'm saying if. And I remember just writing in my journal that day, is it gonna be if for me still? Or can I change the word for myself to when? I just remember writing, God, I don't want to be a Christ follower who goes their whole life that doesn't live this challenge out. I don't want to just have giving to be something I throw into the the plate as it goes by. There's no emotional investment. I don't want to be something that's just easy to do. God, I want to learn what it means to give myself. So teach me. And this began weeks of study for me just to try to get a comprehension of how do I do this? What would it look like? One of the things I love to do in my journal is I think through these things, is go, biblically, many times, they'll give you a construct that you can work from. And when you think about you as a being and all the complexity you are, oftentimes in scripture, they'll break out the different aspects of your personhood, your being. One of them that I used in this instance was many times the Bible will say, your mind, your heart, and your strength. And I thought, let's just look at that for a second. What would it mean for me to give my mind, and my heart, and my strength? on behalf of the poor. I remember I just wrote down, God, what would it look like for me to invest my mind? Something, I'll be very vulnerable with you. Something I do, uh, it's immensely nerdy, but I'm gonna share it with you, is I love to read. And, And I love to read different books, but one of the things I know is, is many times if I'm not careful, I'll get caught up reading all different kinds of things, but I'm not intentional. So I've made it a practice to write down, during a year, all the books I read in a year, and then review them. What did I spend my time on? That's nerdy, isn't it? I confess this to you. In this moment I said, what does it mean to invest my mind? I went back over the years and I could see I'd read biographies of leaders. I'd read management books. I'd read churchy books. I'd read sports books. I couldn't find a single book about poverty in the world I'd read. And I thought, I've never invested my mind in this. And then on a deeper level I had to confess, I don't even know what the books would be. So I went to some friends who were wise about this and I said, what are you reading? What are the classics when it comes to issues of poverty in our world? What are the ones you're reading now that you go, you got to read this? Can you just start helping me? And they did. They began to give me books to read. And I started to invest my mind in issues like hunger in our world and sustainable agriculture. Started looking through water and the issues there. The impact of war on the poor and how they are disproportionately impacted by war. All these different things. I started investing my mind told, here's the websites to go to. Here's the news feeds to look at. How do I invest my mind so I can understand the plight of the poor? That was phase one. I discovered something. My heart naturally followed what my head was engaged in. This is a pattern I've seen in my life. Invested my mind, and then my heart followed. And this is where, okay, what does it mean to invest my heart Years ago at our church, we used to sing a song, and every now and then we still sing it, but it has this phrase that I think of. It says, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. You remember this song? Part of Christianity is over time going, I want my mind to think about the things that God thinks about. I want my heart to be broken for the things that break God's heart. It's one of the things I challenge you to do when you read through the New Testament. What makes Jesus angry? And he does get angry. What makes Jesus cry? These are the things that moves Christ's heart. And you just then do an assessment. Do my heart, does my heart break for the same things? And I had to go, what God would it look like for my heart to be moved for people, for a cause, for a need? Uh, One of the things I did was I wanted to sit with friends who live out compassion so well. I just wanted to hear their story. I discovered something. Some of the people I most respect, their heart and their mind is moved towards a cause. Causes like hunger or or clean water. Causes like human trafficking. And they're moved to alleviate that specific problem in the world. And that's what their heart's drawn to. Others, it seems, their heart was drawn to a people group. Specific. Some of the times it's a nation. Some of the times it's even tighter that it's a town. But I discovered different people, their heart is moved by different things. You may need to know this too. For me, I had to then do the work. What will my heart be drawn to? Is it a cause? Is it a problem? Is it a people? One of my friends, I discovered it was both. That she was moved by a civil war in a country in Africa And she was moved by the plight of a group of people in the rural areas, and it caused her to determine she would build schools there her whole life. She's invested 20 years in building schools. She's built 125 schools to provide education to tens of thousands of kids, just because she said, I've got to advocate for these people and for their need. And I thought, that's beautiful. And then in my journal, I said, but I don't know what my heart's moved by. And then I discovered this question then. It was, all right, God, what would it look like for me to invest my strength? To actually give of my being in that way. To not just give a few dollars, but my strength. And I just wrote down these three words, time, talent, and treasure. God, what would it look like for me to invest my time for the poor? Even how much? Out of my week, how much should go that way? How much does now? Not much is what I discovered. I said, I don't want celebration and hope to be my only Uh, strength usage in this. I don't want that to be the only thing I do three weeks out of the year. I want to go much more than that, God. Is there a daily opportunity? Is it weekly? What, God, do I do as far as my time? Talents, I thought, okay, I'm a pastor. I don't know how you use this, God, but what does it look like then for me to use being a pastor to serve my talents that way? And then treasure is how much of my income, God, of all that you've blessed us with, how much should go there? This is what I started to look at. All right, God, for my heart to be engaged, my mind to be engaged, and then to result in the strength being used. God, that for me, I began to say, I think that's what it would look like for me to be giving of myself. And I just started to pray, God, would you lead me to a time where I would do just this? And God, in his wisdom, at about that exact time, Uh, I was invited to go on a trip to visit one of our brand new partners. Uh, This is brand new to Willow, a brand new country and a brand new town. And so I said yes, just again wanting to live this out, wanting to see this, I said I'll I'll say yes. And and it was the country of Guatemala. Candidly, I knew nothing about the country of Guatemala before this, so I said again I'm going to invest my mind. So I wanted to understand the history in Guatemala and specifically I wanted to get to know the people we were serving. I discovered that in Guatemala, the group we were gonna serve with, they were descendants of Mayans, the Mayan people. I'd studied about them in history, but now here's a chance right here. Discovered immense poverty they were in, generational poverty. Discovered that like so many parts of the world, Guatemala had been hit by a civil war. and the civil war, the two groups who were in fighting, the Mayans were separate from them, but both these two groups didn't trust them. And so both groups attacked the Mayans to devastating effect, even, even though they weren't a part of the Civil War, ravaged this group of people. And as I invested my mind more, I discovered our country actually played some role in that, which made it all the more personal for me. We got to go down there, and just before we did though, uh, we got news of something. Uh, see, I can show you a photo. This is the image, this is kind of how they live. These are homes on the side of a countryside, in this part of the world, It's immensely mountainous region. And so they have tiny shacks on the side of a mountain. And then they've cut out parts of the mountain for their livestock and for their crops. So I knew this going in, that we were going to go to this mountainous region. But what I didn't know and what we discovered was just before we left, the rainy season started. And it was immense and had devastating effect. Led to mudslides down the mountains. And then our partner told us that many families had lost their homes. And many families had lost their entire year's crops in these mudslides, and they were in dire need. And this was just before Celebration Hope many years ago. And I stood in front of the congregation I led, and I said, we were going to start this partnership, and how our church does these partnerships is we usually start little, just a small gift, just a small investment. We build over time. But the reality of what has just happened there through the weather is they need much more than a small gift. And I said, I've got to advocate on their behalf for you because there are people on the brink of starvation. They have no food. There are people who have no homes. And if we don't get them food right away, they're gonna be in desperate need. And I just said, would you just join me, pray about it, and then would you be generous in your giving to try to help alleviate the sufferings of these new friends? And uh, so blown away how the church responded. Literally that Sunday, we wired money to Guatemala saying, go buy food right now. God's provided. Get food, you need it right now. Then a group of us worked together and go, we've gotta get a plan for some homes to be built quickly. This isn't something we can wait a couple years. We need to do it now. We need to be sustainable. We need to be able to be, uh, sustain the rainy seasons, get through mudslides. We need a whole different way to look at this, but it's got to be cost effective too. And again, a whole group of people generously gave. They got the cost down, and we were able to build about 50 homes that summer, homes like this one. And I got to go, when I went down there, I got to be there as they dedicated these homes to these families. And uh, this is just one family I got to meet. And, uh, and I got to just celebrate that they got a home. And my heart, uh, um, this began the heart transformation for me too. Uh, not long after that photo, we walked just down the road to another home. And everyone else had kind of spread out. We dedicated the homes and then a group went up to a church on the hillside to just thank God and celebrate how he provided a home. And a group of us were just walking through praying. And, and it was an open-air church in the middle of the mountains. And so uh, with no other noise, you could hear the singing of the worship songs to God while we walked through. And I got to one more home, and there was a man standing outside. He's the only one in the village who, who was still in the village, not up at this church. And, uh, and met him and talked to him, realized he had significant physical disabilities. And he literally couldn't walk up the hillside to church that's why he wasn't there and he started to cry and he said he'd always had to live in someone else's home because he didn't have the resources to have his own home but now because of our church he had a home first time in his life and he went inside and everyone walked off and I walked around behind his house and I thought that's what it looks like for my heart to be given. See, this is what it looks like. It's not generosity. It's not a little gift. This is the promise. The giving of yourself. What it means to love. To know. To care. And uh, set a prayer behind his house. God's blessing. Care for him. they watch over him. If you give yourself on behalf of the hungry to satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then it says your light will shine, it will rise. I felt it that day. I felt, oh God, I'm so glad that I get the chance to love these people. So glad this wasn't just a little gift. So glad you're teaching me what it means to give of myself. That partnership we just continued And, uh, you know, we've been able to do this for years now. And one of the great needs they had was medical. They they said, we don't have good, adequate medical facilities. And so multiple celebrations of hope we've been able to give to build a clinic. And this is what the clinic looks like. And uh, just a beautiful, yeah. It It has a dental clinic. It has a doctor's office. It has prenatal care. It has ultrasound machines. All of it like donated and given by people, you. And the other thing I loved, by the way, was, again, time, talent, treasure, talking about giving of your strength. We invited a group of doctors at our church. Would you partner with the doctors there to provide even better care? And because of technology, they can do ultrasounds there and email them and send them up to doctors here to get second opinions. So there are all these doctors here who, after hours, give of their time and their talents to help serve patients in Guatemala that most of them will never meet. Isn't that beautiful? Training up ultrasound technicians. Yeah. I love this. Uh, one of the doctors very specifically, uh, he, he wanted to give an even greater gift and, and as he really looked at things and invested his mind, he discovered this clinic was great for the city but the people out in those rural areas, you saw the photo earlier, when they get sick, they really can't get to that clinic so he just said, what are we going to do to help serve those people? We have to do something. And he discovered, again, through technology, they did a training and developed caregivers uh, with, who could go out into the countryside. So we bought bikes, sent them out there. And through the iPhone, they can do a self-diagnosis and then email back. And he ran this database to understand what are all the big medical needs out in the rural areas. And then he began to see there's one critical need that just kept popping up that surprised him. And it was respiratory illnesses. These respiratory illnesses were more common there. And so little kids couldn't go to school because they were sick. And parents were losing out on working opportunities because they couldn't go to work. And he kept coming back, respiratory illness, respiratory illness. So they sent a team of, from our church down there to just go, get some sense. What is going on? And they sent back a photo. This is it. And they said, we think this is the cause that in these rural areas, in these shacks in the middle of uh, the mountains, they do open fire cooking in the middle of the house with no ventilation. This is a one room house. Just to the right of this photo is the beds where these kids sleep and the parents sleep. And then you look at the walls. And they said, the walls are charred by the smoke that comes out of cooking for dinner. And they said, if the walls look like that, what do you think their lungs look like? So again, that doctor brought that attention said, we got to figure this out. A group of people came alongside and said, a simple and very inexpensive innovation called a stove can fix this with ventilation. And so just a simple stove, one of the celebrations, I hope we said, I think it was just $100 or so, $100 for each family would transform their lives. And they've now been able to watch and see respiratory illnesses going down because we gave for stoves, such a little thing. But it allows the kids to go to school more. It allows the parents to work more. It's transforming there. You see how this is working? This is why I love the partnerships. This is why I love saying to our church, use the talents you've got. You've got incredible talents. Don't just use those gifts and talents and education for you and your family. Invest some of that in the needs of someone else and you can help them, you can bless them, you can serve them. One of the things we do is with the seeds. Nutrition is so critically important. The people in Guatemala, I got to know, they weren't struggling with starvation. They were struggling with malnutrition generationally. They have enough food. It just doesn't have the nutrients for little kids to have healthy brain development and physical development. And we discovered, again, seeds and education. If we can improve their diet, a chicken coop, it's one of the things we did one year. Just providing protein for them can transform their futures over time and generationally you can bless these people and help them out of the oppression they've experienced. This is why I love Celebration of Hope. This is why I love what our church is doing. This is why I love the chance to serve and to give. This is why I love the teachings of scripture that say, give yourself, give yourself, not just a dollar, not just a day at time, That's just an hour. Give yourself, isn't this beautiful? This is what scripture says when you ask the question, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to give and why? God looks at you and goes, I want you to give yourself. Have you ever done this? I'm gonna give you the same assessment I gave myself years ago. Have you ever had a point where you go, I gave myself for someone else? Have you had that point? Would you look at it and go, yep, I've invested my mind. My heart is fully given. I'm giving of my time, talents, treasure, my strength. Have you had a point where you give yourself for someone else? If not, is today the day to start? To not just let this be a three-week series where we give and then we go back to life normal. But you go, now begins the process where I'm going to learn what it means to give myself, maybe to a cause, maybe to a people but to give myself to satisfy the needs and lift up the oppressed, to give yourself. Have you had a point like that? Are you willing to commit yourself to this? Let me read this verse to you one more time. Read it as a promise too. If you give yourself on behalf of the hungry, if you satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your gloom will become like the noonday. Some of you need a little bit of lift to your spirits and the Bible prescribes give yourself to someone else. So would you please have the intentionality and the focus and the desire to give yourself to someone who has needs on this day. Yes? Yes. Now, we're gonna do something together that we only do once a year, and we take a second offering. And uh, if you're new to the church, uh, normally when we receive the offering, I always tell you, just don't feel any pressure to give. Today, uh, this offering, none of it's coming to our church, so I'm gonna give you a little pressure, okay? (laughs) Only because I'm advocating for those who aren't here to advocate for themselves, okay? Some of you, real quick, I'm gonna talk through different giving options. Many times when we look at the globe, we go, what could I do? What difference can I make? It's one of the dangerous things about our news cycle. We are now aware, first time in human history, we're aware of all the suffering on the planet. And the danger is you see pain after pain after pain and you eventually go, there's nothing I can do. I wanna tell you there's something you can do, okay? So I wanna just talk through giving options, different ways you can give. I wanna tell you about this though first. Our family, what our family did was, we started at the beginning of this and we said, as a family, the four of us, myself and my wife, my 15 year old daughter, 12 year old son, he said, I want us all to be part of this. So at dinner, we've been talking, just asking, what do we feel called to give? And each day we just go, hey, Nate, what, you got any ideas on this? Karis, what do you think? And Cammy, what do you, what do you think? Uh, we had one point to engage our minds. We just walked through the lobby. None of you were here. We said, we'll do it when it's private. We can slowly walk through the lobby and see each giving need and get each giving opportunity. God, what stood out to you? What, what do you feel called to? And a few days ago at dinner, I said, anybody feel the need? And, and uh, my wife said, I, here's what I'm thinking. And it lined with what I was thinking. The kids said, we like that too. So together we kind of got together and we all, we've made our gift. We just said, this is what we, our family, the Gillen family, this is what we wanna do. And uh, this is a way parents and grandparents, this is a way to, and again, train and teach your kids what does it mean to give of themselves to the poor too. Just invite them in this process. But in this moment, some of you are ready to give, some of you aren't. So I just wanna talk through a few of the options. Many of you, you've heard about the issue of clean water. And there's so much of our world that doesn't have access to clean water. What that means is they are frequently getting sick because of what they drink. So they can't go to school if they're kids, and they can't go to work if they're parents. And it really has devastating consequences. And simply giving them clean water dramatically increases their life and their futures. But you go, what can I do for clean water? Here's the beautiful thing. We've discovered a way for one family. You can provide clean water for one family. It only costs $25, $25 solution. Some of you go, you know, I, I don't have a lot of resources. What can I do? If you could give $25, you go, man, I did something. There's a family, I may never meet them, but they got clean water because of what I was able to do. And with joy, you go, boy, a $25 sacrificial gift can bless some other family. You can do that. You could do that. You get, I'm about one family. Some of you, what bothers you most is kids. You just have a passion for kids. And it bothers you. You go, boy, some kids don't get the education they need and the opportunities. Some kids don't get adequate nutrition. That bothers you. Some of you, too, you know, kids in the developing world, That's one of the more vulnerable and dangerous times, right? Childhood, if you get to know children in the developing world and some of the impoverished areas... The kids get done with school before the parents get home, and there are a number of hours where kids are alone that are immensely dangerous for those children. And so you go, what can I do? Well, I was walking through the lobby, I saw $100, just $100, would provide for a kid three meals during a week again nutrition, but also tutoring for a year so it gets them better education, but it also gives them safe hours between when they're done with school normally and when the parents get home. Safety, education, nutrition, $100. Some of you go, you know, I can't do 1,000, but can I make a difference with 100? Well, you can for that kid. You can for that child. Some of you heard the story about some of the violence in India, violence against women. And you go, boy, what do you do about that? Uh, This is the one that grabbed our family's heart, where we just said, uh, many times in India, where there's impoverished areas and there's no access to, uh, to toilets, to restrooms. At nighttime, the women go out into the woods to go to the bathroom, and those are very dangerous, vulnerable times. As well, when there's not adequate sanitation, kids who are crawling on the ground get sick because of what they're crawling in. And our family all said, boy, we've heard the stories, we've seen the news, but we all thought, what could we do? Well, $600 provides a a restroom facility in a town for 150 people. And our family said, we can't solve every problem, but could we solve some for a a few families, a few villages? Could we sacrificially give towards that to provide maybe a few different toilets? It's one of the first times I felt really compelled to give toilets. I'm gonna confess that to you. We were like, okay. Uh, Some of you, uh, education's your thing. And you go, I love the idea of providing education as a way to really lift people out of poverty for a long time, and this is one of the keys to really getting a a community out of poverty. And I discovered walking through $7,500 builds a classroom for 100 teenagers and students. $7,500. Some of you, uh, you go, that's too much. How am I gonna do that? But you go, our small group will do that. Let's get 10 people together. We're gonna do this together. Some of you, God has blessed significantly, and you have a passion for kids. And you go, I'm going to do multiple classrooms because of how God's provided. But that's the beauty. When we all work together, when all our church gets together, we actually can make significant difference. That's the beauty of being a big church. As a big church, we have some big problems sometimes, but we can do some big things too. And so this is what we're going to do in a moment. In a moment, I'm going to invite our volunteers forward to receive this offering. If some of you are ready to give. You've got to check, and with joy in your heart, you'll drop it in. Uh, some of you are going to give online, and uh, just put this up. This is the, if you go, I want to give right now online. You can get out your phone, just text WCSB to that number, and it'll give you the instructions. You can give online. This is the way I gave a few days ago. Just this is what we want to do. You can grab your phone and do that. Some of you, it's kind of like you'll give this week, and we're going to leave this offering open for a few weeks. You go, I'm going to commit to it, but I'll send in a check later. Just write COH in the line. Some of you, I just challenge you, do the old-fashioned wallet dump, or you know, here's the cash I got in there, I'll drop it in. But what I hope is that every person in our church has a part of this give. Every person in our church says, I'm doing something. I'm doing what I can do. And when all of us do something, I think God does great things. So volunteers, I'd invite you forward to receive this second offering. I challenge you to give generously, sacrificially, for those who have need. Uh, while they're receiving this, uh, the band decided they're gonna sing a song over us. It's just another song about hope, which is what we need. And then at the end, uh, don't leave. At the end, I'm going to come up here and we're going to say a prayer over these offerings and we're going to say a prayer over the seeds. So right now, I just challenge you, give from your heart and of your strength to those who need it most today.